Hello there. Brandon here with a quick show note up at the top. There might be some strong language in this episode, but uh, it'll be okay. Welcome to the well. I am Brandon Edgens, and Anson will be joining us in just a moment. I am currently sitting in a gazebo in Georgia behind my childhood home, listening to the crickets and taking it easy and relaxing after what has been a very difficult year. You should take a breath, too, and listen to the crickets. And then, join me for part two of our interview with Leon Inglesrud, actor, director, producer, martini samurai extraordinaire, and, if you're so inclined, make yourself a COVID teeny. Leon walked us through the recipe back in uh, part one, so go back and listen to that. Now remember, COVID in this case stands for carefully oscillated very idiotic drink. And now, sit back and relax and rejoin Leon, Anson, and a few of our friends back in March as we discuss the issues of the day. For me, philosophically, like I, I have this thing that I keep, I've been circling around for most of my adult life which is the question of why isn't being alive enough? Why can't we find joy and fulfillment in the fact that we're just alive? It goes back to that idea of we're not our economy. You know, that, that if you get right down to it, if you ask somebody, what will you give up if I don't kill you? It's everything, you know, and, and that at our core, we understand that being alive is really important, but yet it's so hard for us in our day-to-day life to actually live from the place that being alive is the point. I want a world where we don't have to have it threatened to not understand that, where we don't have to have people all around us dying and, and a Damocles sword hanging over our head and to see the Damocles sword to suddenly think, oh, I'm happy that I'm alive. How do how do we cultivate a I mean I think you know this is I take this as my job as an artist to do this that I'm trying to wake up the sense that to be alive is good and I call it my um I hate castaway philosophy because it's like you're fine calm the fuck down you're fine you're in a tropical island you're okay like, calm the fuck down. Yeah, but he's only got a volleyball and it's a friend, I mean. Just live. Just live. If you want to go somewhere else, fine, that's okay. But stop angsting about it like an asshole. Like, calm the fuck down. You're alive and that's fine. But what if, but what if my thing is more Twitter followers? <laughs> exactly, you know? 
I'm worried. It, keep, it keeps me up at night. I got to get my numbers up, Leon. And yeah. melted cheese, melted cheese, cheese? on top of my um, the tacos. wrong cheese, the wrong cheese oh. on your taco. Have you had you go through this hell? I have to make my own food as opposed to calling somebody and having them deliver it. <laughs> That's bullshit. All of this stuff. It's like you know. I don't, I, my, I don't know, man. I mean, we're relative creatures, you know. Like, like yeah. you know, it's it's hard to see. And feel things if you don't have a contrast sometimes, and mm. and when things are bad, that's when you feel like the most grateful and thankful for having like sm- things no. you normally would take for granted because, you know, it's just like when you have an easy, normal sort of like even keel life, you're not thinking about the dangers or like the disasters that might have might occur. It's like right. Bob Ross said, "Gotta have some, gotta have some dark days, so you know when the light ones happen." <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, there's a lot of truth in that. I'm going to go all neuroscience for a split second here. But like the the brain doesn't have a center. The brain doesn't have a measuring a permanent measuring rod installed in it that lets it know where you're at all the time. The brain is a supremely relative yes. comp- compare com- comparometer between a, between what's a, happening now and what happened a minute ago, and that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> it's a difference engine. It only senses change. Yeah. Exactly. But but the thing is that consciousness, you know, is is potentially something else. That that, that there's there's potential that consciousness might actually be something that can understand that enough to get on top of it and say, okay, there's a there's something that transcends the neurology of my situation the mechanics of it and allows me to feel okay. Well, the art, art does help, you know, like, well, that, I think that's the function of it. Yeah. I mean, art, like, even, art. even things like a movie, right. Can make you feel, can, can make you feel like the, can you give you an experience where you reminds you, right. Of yeah. like what life is to you or what's important things like that. Or, or like, or like allows you to forget. Or allows you to forget, you know, yeah. which is which was the experience during the wars. Sure. It's, isn't that isn't that how musical theater came about? I was talking about this to Brandon the other day. Mm-hmm. How musical theater mm-hmm. is such a huge part of this culture, and I think I think it was born out of the wars, right? The sense to want to be in a different world. You know, it's it's that that phenomenon that um, I think it was Eliot called it aesthetic arrest, where you encounter a work of art where the mystery of the work becomes indistinguishable from the mystery of the universe. And so experiencing the work is just living. It's not, it's not, I am in a museum looking at a painting. It's I am alive right now. And, and sort of cutting away everything else. It's, it's not, I'm sitting in a theater experiencing this thing. It's I'm living. This is my life right now. This isn't this isn't something aside from my life. This is my life right now. And when art can do that and slowly, I think, you know, maybe or, or quickly, but that art can train us. You know, John Cage said that if we can see it work in art, then we might believe that it can work in life. And and slowly it trains our brains like meditation practice or something to slowly be able to to live at a different frequency and 
and to be able to take things at a, at a different because once you know once you take the life itself is enough then compassion is obvious like the fact that you should not mess with someone else's life is obvious like what how else would it work <laughs> like like if if it's okay for you to impinge on another person's life that's clearly not going to work it has to be that we are all responsible for each other or life doesn't function. Hmm. And we are such fiercely social creatures. I think that there is something like uh, so innate in us to like want to learn from each other. And the only question is like who, you know, like who do we listen to? You know, like the familiar voice always seems to be the, you know, the loudest. Mm. The loudest, but mm. Dunning Kruger. What is that? Um, Dunning Kruger. Oh um, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's the that's the beautiful thing about art, though, is like it gives you a different voice. It gives you the sense that there is something else out there that is kind of like communicating with you. I've been kind of like, um, it's kind of silly, but there's all these different memes about like how people who are shut-ins are finally, like, seeing their day. <laughs> because now they finally feel like everybody is part of their community right, now. Right, you know, right, they're like, right, right. oh, finally, everybody's joining me in being a shut-in. Yeah, 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 and it's, yeah. like, this weirdly gratifying moment for them. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. We have a whole generation of shut-ins that are now, com- like, completely validated. And <laughs> yes, they're like, let me show you how to be alone. <laughs> and it's adorable. But but again, it's just this idea that like we want like validation from our, our community. Yeah. And but I mean, this is just like a, an oblique way of connecting to the idea that like the arts kind of give us that because we right now we depend on it more. We depend on outside voices to kind of help us kind of understand and validate some of our feelings. What is kind of interesting that like the economy is such a contrast to um, human life in a, in a way where it's like you know how did something like how did something like our market our, our free trade and, and you know the marketplace and all these things how did this become like in contest with us surviving a pandemic right that seems like maybe a system that's not exactly working great you know. <laughs> Like, yeah, so. The idea hey. of making, oh yeah, yeah, we do have to go. Sorry, we don't mean to hijack. Oh, no, no, I, that was a joke. That was a joke. I was okay. What you can, listeners at home, what you can't see, and Leon for that matter, can't see is I just leaned over to Anson and was like, I think we lost control of our show. <laughs> but then my next thought was like, do we want to be in control of the show? <laughs> well, this anyway, takes of, this takes a lot of pressure off to just sit here and drink. <laughs> And have someone else do the show. Uh, 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 listen, Leon, it's really lovely to see your beautiful face, but we we are now parents, so we have to go it's and sleep. It's so past your bedtime. It's so past our bedtime. I'm but. so happy that I don't have children right now. And <laughs> I, I, I feel like, you, I, so I, and I, I, you know, there's so much joy and so much fulfillment and so many great things you're going to get from being parents. Oh, my but, God. But there's also good stuff we get. And there's really cool things about not having kids. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, right, and, now, right now, you guys are winning. Trust me. 
<laughs> but it's nice to see you. It's good to see you. Enjoy you guys look fantastic. <laughs> we get three more martinis. Take, yeah. Take care of each other. Say good night in New York for us. Thank oh, you. Take care. Take good care. To see your face, darling. It's good to see you. Take care. Love to Akiko. You too. I was not I was really not trying to run people off. I was because now now it's now, kind of, now you have to get back to talk. I know, now we have to start thinking again. Yeah. And I wasn't really prepared for that. Can you, I was, can you shift the camera again because I can't see Anson again? Do you need to see Anson? You know, it's just like I don't know what he's doing when he's like, I feel like. <laughs> he's furiously making fun of you. Uh, now we're all back and we got rid of those people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, who was it who said hell is other people? <laughs> it's uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. I think it's Sartre, yeah. 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 Whose uh, deathversary no was just the other day. Yeah. By the way, that is a play that you guys... Should consider oh. doing in in the in the in the uh, after shadow of this quarantining situation. Yeah. No exit would be you. I would love to see what you guys would do with that play. That's really interesting, actually. I'm going to bring that up. What are things um, in terms of work and in terms of life? What are th- are there things that are continuing for you guys right now, or is everything on hold? Um, well, like regular bread and butter work has come to a stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I have all this time to do all this other stuff that I didn't have time to do before. And we talked to, uh, another actor friend, Jordan Bridges about this earlier today, uh, about this sort of, what do you do with this time? You know, uh-huh. do, you, do you do you do you use it as like okay now I've got all the time now I'm going to go full bore into whatever it was that I was avoiding or you know said making excuses for that I didn't have time. Do you dive into that? And he made a good point, um, which is to maybe yes you can do that, but there's also time to do something that we're especially bad at as Americans, which is to just be. Yeah. Yeah. Not not. Do anything. I totally is, feel that. And and look, I I feel like uber American in that regard because I'm like, B, the hell is that? <laughs> I can't be. I gotta be doing something. <laughs> you know, and and part of that is like, you know, I I listen to podcasts or audiobooks like all the time. And and so like when I I I've always gone you know, for walks or bike rides or it's, it's, that's always been a huge part of my life, but I'm always consuming something while I'm doing it. I go outside right now. We go for a walk every day, Akiko and I, and I don't listen to anything hmm. like, like I'm out there, I'm talking to her. I'm, or I'm listening to what's going on. It's like, there is an urgency to the present moment and like to be here and to pay attention, like it just like I, it's unthinkable to me to go out on the street right now and be listening to a podcast that that it, and, and and I don't know if that's just because I'm in Manhattan and that I would feel different if I were 
you know, in the mountains of Colorado or something, but it's, there, there is something I'm, I'm wrestling with that question of just being. That's really interesting. That, that thing you just pointed out about not feeling right, listening to a podcast out on the street about, I don't know what, I totally feel you and I, I I'm doing, I'm feeling the same way, but I can't, um, can't quite pinpoint the cause. It has it has something to do with history in the sense that, like, we're not observers of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like we're here. This this is us. We're doing this. We're making choices right now. We 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 are surviving or failing to survive this mm-hmm. right now, and it's not theoretical. It's not an exercise. You know, and that that idea, I can't, I can't remember who it was was talking about it, but, you know, it, it comes from like back in the, the, the days of, of 9-11 and the war on terror. And that idea of the virus is going to win if it gets it right once, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to not we have to not make a mistake every time. Yeah. You know, like we, we, we can't afford to make a mistake Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. our, for ourselves and for the people around us. And there's a level of concentration and a level of attention that's necessary right now. I also, I also think that a lot of these sort of distractions, you know, podcasts and our ability to kind of amuse ourselves while mobile. I I think all of that came from a kind of, modern life ennui, a sort of a boredom with like, well, there's nothing going on. I'm gotta I'm going out of my mind. Gotta do fill my head with something other than what's happening, because what's happening was rote, boring, routine. Mm-hmm. And now none of those things apply. And I think mm-hmm. everyone is kind of like the antennas have gone back up mm-hmm. in your head and we're like, okay, what reality's interesting again. I don't need yep. I don't need a book on tape right now. Yeah. Just in the past year or so, I've felt like just the speed with which things are changing and the news is coming at us in the age of Trump and, you know, uh, the death of print advertising, because by the time you get that newspaper at the corner store that was printed last night, it's old news. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like the content that I have available to me that happened before the pandemic it's like the game board has been reset mm-hmm. and you know, the rules of that almost don't apply anymore. And yet all of the content that's post pandemic is just so single note. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just all hammering on the same nerve yep. over and over yep. and over that. I feel that I'm just sort of listless in not being able to 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 consume um, entertainment or news the way I used to do, so I'm I, I am kind of struggling with you know maybe it may, now maybe it's the time for me to get back into my my meditation and my my uh, work on that 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 muscle that is a muscle that that helps you to be in the moment. In in real 
practical terms for me, like gaming is actually helping me that, mm. that going into a game in my case right now, specifically Skyrim is helping because like I, there's these hours in my day where I'm in a flow state. I'm thinking in a completely different way. I'm not dealing with these issues and it's, it's giving, it's like, it's almost like it's a part of sleep. It's, it's a part of allowing my brain to focus on something else, to allow it to like, just adjust to other things. And then there's, you know, but that's not all day. And then, then there's other parts, you know, I, this last fall started doing meditation formally for the first time in my life, really. Mm. And that has continued and it's harder now, but, but I feel like I got to keep going and things that I'm working on in terms of studying and learning. But then every night, you know, there's the seven o'clock ritual of the celebration of the, the healthcare workers that's become this religious reality. Then usually right after that, I make dinner. And then this, this hasn't happened in decades, but every night now, Akio and I watch a movie and picking the, the right movie, picking something that the two of us can just focus on for two hours, you know, and, and it's, it's meant that we've done, you know, we did a Mission Impossible film festival. You know? <laughs> Amen. And, and, you know, which is nothing yeah. to slouch at, you know, and and we did we did all of the Bourne movies, you know, successively. We just, last night we finished um, Kung Fu Panda, three nights of Kung Fu Panda. It's pretty great, I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> like, and... And having this time with my partner focusing on something together, which, I mean, we work together, we live together, we do all this stuff together, but having this time right now where both of us find it important to have two hours where we're consuming something together. Yeah. Have you ever and, read Joseph Campbell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Hero's Journey? Oh, oh yeah. Monomyth. I... I I will hold forth that that the the Kung Fu Panda movies you can almost chart the oh, hero's journey. It's right there. Yeah. By watching Kung Fu Panda, every chapter is just so it's just so diamond faceted, distinct. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's an, it's a lesson in Joseph Campbell. It's so great. And it's it's everything I love about Kung Fu movies and everything I love about wacky animation and i mean the ducks are incredible like it's daffy duck it's everything i love about daffy duck and it's right there you know and then yet the jack black you know role of a lifetime <laughs> it's like, you know and it's it's tricky because we we sometimes go into sort of more arty stuff and sometimes it's not quite right that we're figuring this out day day to day there's no playbook for this Maybe we'll write one. We write the playbook for surviving a pandemic, and then we sell our business plan. There we go. There we go. You know, the one big thing that I haven't felt is this upsurge in the need to um, do personal artistic expression, huh. which feels weird. 
Wow. I mean, because this is, I mean, like, if there ever was a time for me to do my Where's Waldo audiobook, I mean, this would be it. (laughs) 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 And I still might do it. (laughs) How would it go? Give Give us a sample. Right. It'd be like, there's a sailor, and then there's a woman in a red dress. And beside her is a kid in a blue skirt. And then there's a pirate. And then there's Waldo. And then there's a cook. (laughs) And then there's another pirate. And he's arguing with a pastry chef. (laughs) But that, I mean, that little bit there would be buried in like four hours. Be really long, right? And the challenge of it is that you don't let your voice get away from you when you say, and then there's Waldo. <laughs> right. Because you just did it. You dropped on the end there. Like you, you, there was a tell in your intonation there. Like, right? that was the moment. That was I'm it. Not, I'm not ready for it yet because I still can't, I still can't do that. I got to, I got to figure out how to do that and throw it away. <laughs> don't indicate that Waldo has just entered the picture. <laughs> but you know, you think about like what does what does where's Waldo mean in a world of social distancing? You know, it's like <laughs> there's only Waldo. Like you look at those pictures, and like these people are all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> no, I still, I still seriously might do this. It, it's been on my mind for long enough. And I actually have a copy of the very first Where's Waldo book. And it, and it's sitting in the other room. And it's like, you know, I've got my microphone set up. Like, I could do it. It's like, yeah. Dude, you got to do it. I, I, uh, You've got the time. It, bringing this up is a way of talking myself into it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Like, I've... Something, and that brings up an issue that we somehow haven't gotten to, which is time is slipping, slipping, slipping. Oh man! Into the future. Oh man! And and it's hard, and and it's and it's this kind of slip sliding. It just kind of dissolves into one long streak. And just yes, just yesterday, I got this. Not exactly a job offer, but an offer to work on this. public service announcement video for about COVID-19 and social distancing and blah, blah, blah. And at first I was like, man, I don't want to do that. There's no money in it. And then uh, I kind of thought, well, what else am I doing right now? And then I thought I need to have something or someone take my time away from me mm. to market. Oh, wow. To say, oh, wow. To say, um, time is, is still precious, even though it's slipping by, and it's and we're not and we're not and it's slipping by because we're not marking it with anything. We're not marking it with work or the usual rituals uh, that we you know conduct throughout the day. Um, so having someone expect something from you at a certain point, uh, and I think I think that's part of the existential. Uh, crisis that people are going through who have been furloughed and lost their jobs. I mean, their biggest problem is money. I understand that. That's the real, yeah. that that's, that's real. But there's also that kind of 
limbo state you find yourself in where there's like, now what? Now well, what? I'll, I'll say, you know, Leon, you you probably understand what I'm <laughs> saying when I say that, that you ask most people what, what an actor does. And, you know, I, I think that the generalized answer is they pretend to be under other people. But uh, what we really do, one of the things we do is we we contract and expand time. That's right. That's what we do. And this is the first time in my life where I feel like even that has gotten away from me. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I have been swallowed by time in a way where I have no handhold almost. Mm. I remember when we were working on Helen Wales and we were having lunch one day and you did this. I'm not going to do it justice, but you said this thing to me where you said like right now, like all around us, there's all of these people and they're moving and they're doing all this stuff. And back in town in Calgary, there's these people in suits and briefcases and they've got millions of dollars. And back in Los Angeles, there's these people walking into offices and they're making these deals and there's all of this stuff and there's these things happening. And overseas, there's people making deals and all of this money and power and all of these things are moving around. And all of that inverted pyramid comes down to whether or not you and I in a moment between us can actually share time. Yeah. Yeah. And can we actually make a moment between us real? And that's all of that whole structure is based on whether or not we can do that. And and it, it really, really hit me, you know, because it's so like I'm so used to that in, in the theater chasing after that, you know, where there isn't there isn't the size of that pyramid up above us. But it's it's true that like I I like I think you you put it really well because I'm feeling this dislocation that's hard to hard to locate. But I think it does have to do with the fact that I don't know what my relationship with time is anymore. Like one day I had a call to do a show at the Guthrie and the next day I didn't have to go in. Mm. Like it was, don't come in. So seven o'clock came and what, what does that mean? It doesn't mean the same thing anymore. I, you know, and I don't know. I, I, yeah. And it's strange and it goes right back to what you were saying earlier about, well, can't we just be, you know, but that's a slightly different issue because like you were geared up, you had your, your whole being was, uh, had a, had a target and direction and a momentum and everything. And then to have that suddenly just like poof. Yeah. That's it. It's, it, it really is having the rug pulled out from under you. And suddenly you're just like jettisoned out into space, (laughs) you know, like, now what you know as as a stage actor primarily like my relationship with time has always had a level of control to it where um like if i'm doing something in front of an audience i know that the audience is actually experiencing it and and one of the things that working in in uh, 
in a camera medium and and like Anson, I want you to jump in on this because <laughs> I'm talking way past my peg right here. But <laughs> like the first time I saw an episode in which a huge scene that I had done had been cut out, like the sense of, oh, my God, that time is gone was was stunning to me. It wasn't like it, it wasn't about ego. It wasn't about like anything except like, oh, that time I thought I had with the audience doesn't actually exist. Like it went away. Mm. And like that as a, as a, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that differently now in this conversation about time that like, Oh, I didn't have control of that time. Whereas when I'm on stage and I'm doing a thing and the audience is right there, like, I don't ever, I don't ever question that. Like, mm-hmm. no, this is our time. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's what and, I, and, yeah, and I remember, I remember like, I think it was after the first time that had happened to me and I said something about it to you and you said, there's not a single episode that you've ever done where you haven't had a heartbreak moment like that, it, <laughs> you know? It's the primary reason I think that it's easier for stage actors to move into film rather than film actors move into stage is because in film and television, transition is taken care of by someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's taken care of by the editor in collaboration with the director. And in stage, it's the actor's job. Yeah. And that's a hard, that's a hard uh, craft to learn from scratch. It takes some people years and some people never, never able to do it. This is sublime to the ridiculous, but am I hearing a dog snoring? Yes, you are. (laughs) Oh my God. She's just a noise bomb. There's a dog behind me. I didn't even know it was there. Who, which there's dogs everywhere. Surrounded by dogs. (laughs) No, the dog you're hearing is my bulldog, Betty Lou. And, She, uh, yeah, man, it's like a jackhammer. This morning, uh, we got up at 5.30 a.m. for no reason and came out to this room uh, to, you know, take in the, the snow and the the quiet. Mm. Quiet. And oh, no. Bet, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> she was sleeping yes. in the Betty above. Lou was on the second floor, but on the ceiling, you know, and I could hear vibrating the ceiling. Oh my god! <laughs> so I was, I was, I was kind of amazed. Like it was muffled enough that I wasn't, I wasn't annoyed at that point. I was just sort of like, "Wow, through the ceiling, huh?" Holy That's hell! Impressive. Yeah, no, she's she puts out a, a lot of decibels. It's it's this thing that like the um, more and more like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm somebody who snores. Like I like I snore very loudly, apparently. <laughs> apparently. But but no, because it's a thing about myself that I don't experience. Yeah, right? I know, I know. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. the dog does this is not part of what they are putting into the world out of their intent. This is something that's going out of the world under their intent. <laughs> Why don't they make those nose bands for dogs? 
Hey man, you, you at, at that. Hey, there like we go. Yeah, there we go. Take Business it, plan. Go. Take it to take it to Shark Tank. Nosebands for dogs. <laughs> Anti snore defeating for, you, for your bulldog. Oh come on, that's a great band name. Nosebands for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I would follow them for years like a deadhead. <laughs> Yeah. All right, man. Guys, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, it was. It really was. This is this is a ton of fun. We did not get as drunk. No, <laughs> thank God. But that, but that's partially the intent of the design of the cocktail is that there's a lot of tonic water in there, and so ah, uh, uh, it's actually very watered down in terms of alcohol. That was by design. It's a good so idea because we're all drinking too much. And you get a longer, you get a longer buzz. Mm. Not as much of a blackout. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the aim. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We'll give our love to Akiko. Yes, do. please. Yeah, yes. it was so great to meet your 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 ladies. Yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. Take, Take care, man. Good night. Love you guys. Thank you. Love Bye. you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Signing off. What an asshole. <laughs> and now, the well is proud to present an excerpt from Leon Inglerud's audiobook version of Where's Waldo? We're at the museum, and there's a man in a brown hat with glasses and a light brown jacket with a blue tie and brown pants about to step on a camera. There's a man in a light blue polo shirt and brown pants with his hand in his pocket holding hands with a woman with yellow hair and a purple shirt and a brown handbag. A couple walks by them. She's wearing a white and blue top and a light green dress. He's got glasses on and his hands are stuffed into the pockets of his red jacket. There's a wizard talking to a surveyor, a woman with a yellow handbag strung over her shoulder and a purple dress, one piece with a green belt and red hair, a man with bushy black hair and a big mustache in a white shirt with a light green jacket draped over his arm and blue jeans. A little boy in a red sweater and a red cap with his knees bent in blue jeans beside a little girl with brown hair and a blue jacket, yellow dress, green shoes, her knees are bent. What looks like their mother in a red shirt and a woolly jacket with a green dress and yellow handbag. A man in a green sweater and brown pants and brown shoes is holding back a dog with a blue leash. The dog is intent on an Egyptian exhibit. A man in a bushy black beard and windswept hair in a rough brown coat and red turtleneck brown pants, walks with a woman with yellow hair and green overalls, 
with a blue handbag and red shoes. A jaunty man in blue pants with a blue sweater looking over his shoulder towards an older man with a mustache and had a hat pulled over his eyes, light brown overcoat over a blue blazer, light brown pants, brown shoes, with a woman with bushy hair and a button nose, with a brown cardigan over a white blouse, green dress, and light blue handbag. A very little boy with a brown shirt and brown pants, with blue shoes. A young guy in blue jeans and a sporty light blue jacket, spiky yellow hair. A guy with curly brown hair and matching mustache in a white safari jacket over a gray onesie, talking to another guy with curly hair and matching mustache the light brown blazer and light blue pants. Another very little boy, the brown sweater, blue pants, is looking at a cannon. A hipster looking guy with black hair and glasses and a beatnik beard and mustache, wearing a white shirt and his hands stuffed into the pockets of his blue jeans. Beside a young woman with auburn hair and a low-cut red blouse, sleeveless, over a yellow miniskirt, blue handbag, and purple go-go boots. Waldo, man in a tweed jacket, a black mustache, blue tie with white stripes, brown pants, beside a woman with a pillbox hat, purple shirt, green dress. A woman with a yellow handbag draped over her shoulder, yellow hair, green shirt, and a dress that's striped red and white, holding hands with a man with a white shirt with red trim and blue jeans. A policeman in a uniform is trying to calm everybody down. Woman with a yellow shirt red polka dot dress and black shoes. The Well is produced, edited, and recorded by Anson Mount and me, Brandon Edgens. Special thanks to Leon for joining us and also to our distinguished panel of friends and family, Sharon Her, Dara Mount, K.K. Moggy, and Kevin Cantwell for keeping us sane while locked down. Music written by Jonathan Myberg and performed by Brandon Edgens. Until next time, stay sane and safe.